Welcome into another edition of the Hops and Spirits Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Green. Joining me here shortly will be Brady Barlow, co-owner of West Six Brewing in Lexington. They also have a farm in Frankfurt and another location coming soon in Louisville. He'll talk about their journey from just an idea to now having multiple locations across the Commonwealth. Remember, you can find our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and on our website, gspodcast.com. If you missed our debut episode with Derek DeFranco, co-owner and head brewer of Mirror Twin, it is now available as a great chat with him. Remember, you can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at jmgreengs. Green has an E that is at jmgreengs. And the Hops and Spirits podcast is proudly presented by One Sip Beer Review. Find them on Instagram. That is One Sip Beer Review. See if you agree with them, disagree with them, or maybe you're just looking for some new beers to try out. Like I said, check them out at One Sip Beer Review on Instagram. And joining me right now on the Hops and Spirits podcast is Brady Barlow, co-owner of West Sixth Brewing in Lexington. Brady, thanks for taking the time. Thanks for having me. Well, Brady, um, obviously you guys are one of the originals, uh, so to speak, in Lexington. I know the Lexington Brewing Company has been around for a while, but you and Country Boy um, were kind of the originals. You guys got started in April of 2012, at least that's when it all launched. How did you all come up with West Sixth? And the biggest thing is we just, we were all craft beer aficionados. We felt like that Lexington, you know, being a city of well over 300,000 people was being a bit underserved as far as having uh, more variety with craft brewers. And there weren't really any tap rooms at the time. You know, there were some sports bars and then certainly there was places like Pazos and uh, I guess the beer trap was, was getting ready to start about that time. But we just felt like there was a real need for more craft beer in uh, Lexington. And we were all uh, met through friends of friends. We were all kind of thinking the same thing. We met and realized that uh, we all brought different things to the table as far as uh, abilities and experiences. And so that was kind of the big thing is getting together and kind of pooling our uh, abilities and then finding a location which ended up being the old Rainbow Bread Factory. So that, that's kind of the, the short story of, of uh, you know, there's a lot more to it than that for sure, but so much of it is dealt with, you know, wanting to have uh, more craft beer representation in Lexington at a time whenever craft beer was, was very young in Kentucky. Um, and was just kind of sweeping across, you know, coming east from where my wife's from, which is Fort Collins, Colorado. And, uh, you know, whenever I went out there and visited the in-laws, um, you know, I, that was one of the big things, too, for me personally, is that realizing that there, is, there was so much opportunity in Lexington and Kentucky as a whole because there was such a, a small number of breweries at the time whenever we were first forming. I was going to say, how much did that kind of play into it too? too? You know, you, you knew there was kind of maybe a, a hole here, but you'd gone to some place where there was a craft beer scene. I mean, is that, that's where it sparked. And then did you kind of talk to Ben and Joe and Robin and it all came together or was it um, something you kind of maybe had to tug on their arms a little bit? No, no, everybody was kind of in the same boat. I mean, we were all kind of in the same 
um, thought process. So, um, you know, I, I definitely think that um, we all were kind of equal in the in the effort and in the and in the idea process. So, um, you know, Joe had come from from Amazon, and Ben had been in uh, kind of finance and social media. I've always been in sales. And just having that desire to not only have craft, you know, a business that um, that offered craft beer and distributed it, but also we were all very interested in having a very community-focused business. Well, and I was gonna say, I mean, I think that's been probably one of the biggest things for for y'all is is that community. I mean, you ended up taking a a building that had been vacant for a while, uh, you know, historic, you know, the old Rainbow Bread Factory in a part of town that is now, I think, up and coming, you, you know, a lot of stuff has changed around there because you all went in. How, how nice has it been to see that growth as well? It's been great. I mean, you know, that building has been empty for a few years and, but, you know, historically that had been, um, if you talk to people who grew up in Lexington, Rainbow Bread was, um, was kind of an iconic place where you went on, school field trips and they gave you the, you know, I've, I've heard countless times, oh, they would come up and they'd put the dough in your hand and, and, you know, and, and it's really an interesting building because there's not very many places, not only in Kentucky, but anywhere in the country where that you can have a 90,000 square foot industrial space in the middle of a, you know, really interesting, beautiful, historic neighborhood. It's just, it's just really unusual. Um, so that was the draw for us is that close to downtown, um, you know, good building with good bones, you know, it needed a lot of work, but, but also we had, you know, a great neighborhood, the North side, uh, neighborhood has really supported us and, and, um, you know, it, it was just kind of being in the, everything just kind of aligned, you know, it just doesn't always happen that way, but in this case, it everything just really came together uh, at the right time. And also, you know, we were not, I don't know what the correct way to put it is, but, but we were not shy about taking a little bit of risk um, because, you know, whenever we first bought the building, you know, I had friends of mine that went through it and it was, it was pretty rough and they were all like, so let me get this straight you're buying a 90,000 square foot building. You're putting in what's essentially a bar and you're only going to serve beer here that you have produced. And you've never as a group produced a beer. I'm like, yep, that's exactly right. I mean, and they're like, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. That seems like a good business plan. (laughs) Yeah. You know, that was, that was kind of the thing. They were kind of like, Brady, are you sure you know what you're doing? And I'm like, you know, I'm, I, I do feel like that we had a, the key thing was is that we had good planning from the beginning and um, we were realistic about what we thought our chances of success would be because, you know, whenever you do a business plan, you look at it and you say, well, you know, 10 people are going to come in each day and they're each going to drink two beers and, and, um, whenever you're laying those things out and you look at it and you say, okay, can we pay the mortgage if 10 people come in each day and drink two beers? And if the answer is yes, well, 
what's the worst thing that can happen is you work real hard and don't make any money, but at least, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, a lot of it was just a lot of planning and, uh, you know, and it, it was two, at least two years in the making. So it wasn't like we came together one week and bought the building the next and it all just, you know, happened instantly. We, we spent a lot of time, uh, as a team, you know, coming up with, um, you know, with the plan that we're, we're very, we almost named the brewery deliberation brewing because we don't make decisions and that's, that's no joke. We, we don't make decisions very quickly sometimes, especially if they're important decisions. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. We're here with Brady Barlow, co-owner of West six brewing in Lexington on the hops and spirits podcast. And, and Brady, obviously that building is pretty big, 90,000 square feet. Did you need all the space or did you guys kind of think, well, maybe we can invite some other businesses because, you know, now you got Smithtown and kind of got the bread box idea. Did that come naturally or how did that come about? It came kind of organically. I mean, the only, the brewery was the first uh, kind of priority in the beginning because that was where we were spending so much money to, to renovate the building and put in the system. To, uh, to brew the beer, but then we had other, you know, we had some old offices in the back and we decided to do uh, artist studios in there. And then we just had other, other people. I mean, Lexington is a, is not a big town. People knew that we had this giant building that we really didn't have a big plan for and word of mouth carried different people to us. Like, you know, broke spoke, they were looking for more space. Uh, community bike shop. They needed more space to expand their operations. They knew that we were sitting on space and they, you know, and the key thing for us was, is we were able to offer raw space, you know, try to minimize the number of, I always say the roof didn't leak too much. So we tried to, um, you know, create a nice dry space for people to come in. They could build out the space however they wanted. And we offered cheap rent and, you know, word of mouth came through and we had numerous businesses come to us. You know, the roller girls came to us and said we needed a flat track and we happened to have really good concrete in the back and the artist studios, we kind of spruced up and, and rented those out. And then Smithtown came along a year or so in and, and, uh, you know, we to Michael and putting in the, Smithtown Seafood and then Food Chain was there pretty much from the beginning, you know, with the aquaponics and the, and the uh, microgreens and the closed loop system. And then they've just expanded immensely over the last uh, couple of years. You know, they were, they were big from the beginning, but they've really expanded their operations in with the kitchen now. And they're doing so much in the community. Um, that's been highlighted, you know, recently in the news a couple of times, just that, uh, providing food for uh, meals for folks who, you know, are, are not able to otherwise have good meals during this um, this COVID-19 pandemic. So it's, you know, in the plantry, uh, uh, you know, went upstairs, shared office space, and then the bluegrass distilling, and then Magic Beans Coffee um, that uh, grinds coffee in the building. So, Building is, for the most part, full now. Um, so it's, um, you know, we take up about 30,000 square feet of it. So for our distribution and packaging and, and then our tap room. 
And I was going to say, I mean, obviously since then you guys have kept expanding and, and, and so forth, maybe not necessarily there, but now, you know, you, you've added the green room, you've added the farm and eventually a, a Louisville location. How have you guys been able to do that? I mean, obviously from a crazy plan of, you know, you want to bring what just people here to drink your beer um, in this old warehouse to now having upwards of four locations. Yeah, so much of it has been, we've just gotten so much support from the community. You know, people like our beer, they like our brand. They like, you know, the fact that we are very engaged in the communities that we operate in, where we try to be the brewery of Kentucky, where the, you know, we distribute in Kentucky and, and, and Southern Ohio. It's really our plan. We don't really have any plans to go any further than that. Um, we've been, you know, it's kind of like the hare and the tortoise and it's kind of slow and steady. Uh, you know, the, uh, the green room came online because main street was kind of in a bit of a depressed state because, you know, there was a city block that said empty for quite some time. And yeah, there was a big hole you know, downtown. <laughs> there was a hole downtown for about eight years. And, and we decided, you know, there were a lot of storefronts that were struggling and we made a conscious decision to go on main street, not only that we wanted to sell beer, but we also, it was a new audience because a lot of people who are on main street in Lexington are not some, you know, there's a lot of people that live in Lexington, but a lot of the people are also from out of town. So the green room uh, was a nice segue into introducing our beer to a lot of different people. The farm was something that we had our eye on for a couple of years and looking for a space. Um, Frankfurt was the logical location because, you know, Lexington and Louisville are our two biggest markets and Frankfurt is kind of halfway. Um, so it was, and it's kind of a, um, you know, a, a rural renewal type space where that if you're in Louisville or Lexington and want to come out and see some hops and see some cows and sit and watch the sunset, it's a nice, country setting with a tap room and a brewery um and then the louisville location you know um we spent four years looking for a louisville location and now we're planning on opening up in a nulu soon um we don't have an exact date yet but we're it's going to be very soon um you know it's hard uh it's hard to kind of prepare for whenever you have something like uh a worldwide pandemic with so much stuff going on. Um, you know, no one can be prepared for that really. Um, you know, all you can do is, is do your best to what I call kind of battening down the hatches and, and, uh, and riding out the, um, you know, what, what comes. So that's what we've been doing. Um, you know, our main tap room has been closed since the middle of March. We're sitting on you know, June 18th today, so that's basically three months. Um, and, um, you know, the green room has been closed since then, too, so has the farm. So it's, it's all – we've just been kind of – I mean, the nice thing is if there's, a, if there's a silver lining, we are a distribution brewery, so we continue to distribute beer and make beer at our main tap room. So that's been, um, has been kind of our saving grace that we've been able to continue to distribute beer, but then also we've been doing curbside and delivery, which has been great because the community has really supported us heavily during that time. 
Um, you know, it's not easy to put on a mask and drive to the brewery and drive up and, you know, first order online and then drive up and, and buy beer in such odd times. But people have been really um, gracious in putting the effort forth to come down and support us during this time. I've been one of those that has come by and gotten some beer. I've always enjoyed West Sixth. I've, I've been out to the farm and I, I love the farm too because you got bike paths, walking paths, um, you know, uh, like you said, a great view. Uh, what all do you guys use to farm for? Do you, you source some of your hops or, you know, maybe some strawberries that you in, use in the colch or the blackberries for the blackberry sour? How, how do you guys utilize that farm instead of just, you know, having an, another space? Yeah, we have an acre of hops, and we make a beer or two every year with the hops that we produce out there. We have some cider apple trees that are will we'll hopefully have some fruit um, over the next year or so that we'll be able to utilize. We grow blackberries and and uh, strawberries and some raspberries, and and um, we use those in beers. We raise a, a, not a lot of cows, usually a couple of cows. We've done West, you know, that we finish out out there, and then we've done West Six Beef. Um, it's 130 acres, so it's a big farm. We only utilize about 25 or 30 acres of it, and the rest of it we just take care of. But then in addition to the actual crops that are grown, you know, Birch Bragg is our farm manager out there. Him and his wife and, and kiddos, um, and Barley the dog and Pepe the cat all live out there at the farm. And um, in addition to what's grown there, we also have a few miles of, of mountain bike trails that people come out and enjoy. And it's an interesting location because it's also very close to the, to the bourbon trail. We're only about three and a half, four miles from, from um, Buffalo Trace. So people you know, in addition just to coming out to the farm, they also, you know, I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of people are on the bourbon trail, but we get quite a few people who are coming in and they're like, I've had bourbon all morning. I guess I should have beer now for the afternoon. So we get some of that. So that's a nice um, way to relax, right? You go from the bourbon to the beer. Yeah. You kind of, you kind of wind down at that point. So, um, but yeah, it's, the farm has been great. And I really do think that, you know, it's going to reopen soon. We haven't, we have not announced an exact date, but it's, it is going to be, uh, it is imminent. Um, we're going to announce a date probably in the next few days of when we're going to actually reopen both it and the main tap root. And, um, you know, we, we, similar to the way that we were deliberate in, our initial opening process, we are very measured in, have been very measured in reopening because the key thing for us is that we want to be um, very cognizant of the safety of not only our employees, but, but the, the patrons who are coming in to, to, you know, spend time with us. So, you know, we've started with four of us back uh, Eight years ago, a little over eight years ago, we're up to over 50 now. We have a great team, and we're, we want to make sure that we're doing everything properly to, to make sure that we don't put either them or the, 
um, you know, or the people who are coming in in harm's way. We're talking to Brady Barlow, co-owner of West Six Brewing in Lexington and Frankfurt and soon to be Louisville as well here on the Hops and Spirits podcast. Brady, you mentioned the deliberate nature. Does it also help that you guys were kind of, you mentioned a little earlier, you're a distributor too, and you guys are pretty much everywhere, Kroger, you're, you know, obviously bars were shut down, but, you know, you were still in stores. That kind of also lets you guys maybe hold off a little bit longer too because, I mean, you, you were still distributing beer everywhere and people could still get it? Yeah, I mean, definitely the distribution piece is whenever you lose. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. If you look at, you know, kind of uh, the model that we operate in, it's you know, 90-some percent of what we produce, we distribute. And then the other so many percent, you know, single digits, we, we sell through our tap rooms. Um, you know, obviously the beer that you sell through your tap rooms, you make a little bit more money on. So whenever those are shut down, whenever you take into account the fact that we shut all of our tap rooms down and then all of our partners, like, you know, the restaurants and the bars and, you know, the, the venues like the Lexington legends and everybody that, you know, um, that are shut down at the same time, you know, we, we lost a, a large percentage of our business, but, uh, at the same time, we were still able to distribute. And well, you know, one of the things that happened whenever uh, bars and restaurants closed is people started buying more beer through, you know, the off-premise channel, whether it be grocery stores or liquor stores. So that certainly helped us kind of weather the storm. Um, we were able to keep all of our staff on. Um, which was a big deal for us because so much of the West Six experience, whenever you go to the tap room or the green room or the farm, is uh, so much of that experience is based on the people that you have um, serving you. Um, you know, whether it be you know, Hendrick or Caitlin or Delia or Becca or you know the whole list, Jesse, who, you know the whole list of people who who uh, serve you, one of the big worries that you have whenever something like this happens is that, A, you worry about those folks' well-being, because, you know, and then second, you worry about uh, not being able to, to keep them because that's so much of the culture of West Six. But we've been able to do that, um, which has been very important. And um, so... You know, and, and a lot of that is because of the distribution piece and because of the people coming in and buying from us on curbside and and um, and delivery. So um, it's been a big deal. Yeah, I mean, people yeah. don't think curbside that you do that much in curbside, but you know, every little bit helps, uh, kind of, you know, keep the lifeline going. Obviously, your community ties uh, cannot hurt. I mean, you've got bike clubs. You do, you know, like fundraisers there, you know, for different percentages. Uh, I think one of my favorite is your pay forward Cocoa Porter, uh, which people don't, if they don't know this, a percentage, was it about 50 cents per every six-pack sold goes to uh, a designated uh, nonprofit during a select period of time, correct? Yeah, that's exactly right. We, you know, we... 
We do uh, the Compare for Cocoa Porter. We, we partner with a different organization every six months. And um, we give back 50 cents of every six pack. Our distributors give back 50 cents of every six pack. So they end up being about four bucks per case goes back to an organization. And the organizations are based on geography. So there's one in Lexington, one in Louisville, one in Northern Kentucky, and then one throughout the rest of the state. And then that's just one of the ways that we give back. You know, last year, um, you know, we gave back uh, over $160,000 to local organizations. We're not a, a big company, so that's a, you know, that is, I mean, I was gonna say, that's we're not, kind not of a, what I was saying, in between size. So, you know, that's a lot of, for our size, you know, we, we feel like we pack a, a, a big punch in helping organizations that uh, are very appreciative of that help, you know, off, you know usually nonprofits. And um, so we're very proud of that. And that's one of our missions, you know, basically we, our three missions are make good beer, be a great place to work and give back to the community. So that's, that's why we exist. It's, it's hard to argue with, you know, giving back to, to local organizations, whether that's, you know, through the, the Cocoa Porter or even just, you know, donating prizes and, and, and other things. Obviously, you know, you, you make good beer too. How has the beers changed over time for you? Because obviously I know that you've added the Cerveza, um, you've kind of done some limited releases, you have your bottles, et cetera. How have you guys changed over time? I mean, eight years, a lot of things happen in beer <laughs> during that time. Yeah, you know, our IPA is what kind of put us on the map. It's still our number one seller by far. Um, but we have, the, you know, the uh, one of the big things with us is we have a, you know, at any given time, we may have six or seven or eight beers on the market, ranging from, like you said, Cerveza to Cocoa Porter to Amber. Uh, we do still have a good good selection of hoppy beers in addition to our IPA. Um, you know, we do a lot of sours now. We do a lot of barrel-aged stuff. So, you know, it, it's one of those things where you try to you try to have something that people, you know, that something for everyone, but also you want to kind of keep new stuff coming. You know, one of our big success stories over the last six, eight months has been Hop Static, which um, we basically take a, a similar malt bill and we change the hops in it and it's Hop Static. And if you've not seen the can, it's basically the, the old looking uh, TV bars whenever they went off the air, kind of the yeah. pink and green and blue and uh, vertical one, bar. And you had that wonderful sound that went with it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that beep, and and um, so you know, hop static is based on different channels, and channel one had a certain hop um, mix. It was very successful. Channel two came out, and then everybody. You know, like Channel 2, at least as much, maybe a little bit more than Channel 1. And then Channel 3 will be out soon. And that has been a big deal for us because, um, you know, whenever you're a small brewery, and we are, even though we, you know, we're one of the bigger ones in Kentucky, we're, by national standards, we're still, we're still pretty small. Um, whenever you put a new beer out, one of the big things is, is you like, 
kind of it's kind of like sending a baby bird out of the nest you just kind of you know we don't have what i call billboard budgets where that we can you know run tv ads and paste up billboards and do youtube ads on our new beer is so much of it is still liquid lips and word word of mouth so um that beer pop static took off and has been has been really doing well for us at a time when we needed it to do well for us um so you know there's that and then the sours which is you know my wife loves sour beers and we did a pink lemonade which was curbside which was really popular uh it came along just at the right time when it started getting hot um so much of it is just innovation you know we do some hazy ipas like our low beam um you know so much of it is this variety you don't want so one of the problems that you have out in the in craft beer sometimes especially if you walk into a liquor store or grocery store consumers get a little bit fatigued with all the change so you you strike that balance of you know west six ipa is kind of a known entity now and then you give just enough new stuff for people to try and you have to make sure it's exactly what you want it to be you don't want to put anything on the shelf that you're not super proud of and you want new stuff but you we're not of the belief that you just absolutely come up with a new product every you know two weeks we're more on the lines of you know do a lot of research and development and do a lot of um do new products but make sure that they're you know exactly what you want them to be you've always had a, a pretty solid selection from your flagships to kind of your seasonals and then your tap room exclusives and and the bottles are always great i always enjoy the the sixfold uh series um you know how, how do you guys i mean obviously you said there's a lot of deliberation i mean is that a you know your head brewer comes up with an idea you come up with an idea how, how do you guys come up with the the, the different specialty releases, so to speak. So usually an idea starts with, uh, you know, we have a management team. We have a management team that will say, okay, here is based on what we think as a group and, the, and our brewers are on this management team. And it's not just the management team. I mean, it's whoever's in, you know, it could be whoever, you know, in the company or even outside of the company saying, why don't you all do X? And so many things that so many things that you do in a business is you just don't come from a. I always say you don't come from a place of no. You kind of come from a place of listening, and then discussing it. Uh, in the case of something like, you know, Pink Lemonade, we had a a management meeting and we had been just talking about doing something along those lines. The brewer, the the, the, brewer, the team of brewers are very um, adept at creating a recipe. You know that's led by uh, Andy Smith and Robin Sither. Robin's one of the co-founders, and they'll put something together, and then you just do test batches. You know we have three systems at the brewery. We have a 15 barrel system, we have a 40 barrel system, and then we have a baby kind of two barrel system. So much of it is as you brew on that small system and you um, try stuff out and you tweak it and once you get something that you think you're happy with and you ramp it up to the 15 barrel system 
and tweak it until you get it the way you want it there. And, and, uh, and then if you want to take it to kind of the big stage, then you have to ramp it up to the 40 barrel system where all our distribution beers are made. So, but so much of it is a collaborative process of people saying, you know, this is a hole in our lineup. What can we do to fill it? And, uh, and then the brewers just getting together and, and coming up with a recipe and then, and then just testing it to death. So I was going to say, I don't, I don't think anyone would hate to be the, the taste tester for anything new. So I'm sure you have a few. No, it's, it's a, I fall into that category a little bit. Although I'm kind of a hophead. <laughs> Hey, nothing, nothing wrong with that. We're talking with Brady Barlow, one of the co-owners of West Six Brewing in Lexington. They also have the farm in Frankfurt and soon a location in Louisville. And Brady, before I let you go, what's what's next for 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 you all? Obviously, you know your goal has been to sell beer across the great state of Kentucky. You go a little bit into Southern Ohio. You got a farm now. You know, Nulu's coming on on the look. You know, online here soon. I mean, what what's left for you guys to do? Yeah, I think the whenever you get to a certain point, what you do is, I mean, we're we're always open for new opportunities. You know, with coming out of this last few months, so much of it is going to be getting back to um, figuring out what the the new normal is in in the marketplace. Um, in the short term. I mean, I think we'll get back to an old normal at some point, but no one really knows when that'll be. Um, you know, I think the key for us is getting our, our three locations that are existing up and going and then getting Nulu online because there's a lot of, of um, work to still be done there just as far as, I mean, the, the space is pretty much done. It's just now just, just getting it open. And then just figuring out, you know, how we want to grow in Kentucky after all that comes back kind of online. Because our goal really is, is to be the brewery of Kentucky. Um, you know, that's that's been our goal from day one. And we want, the key thing for any business is to stay true to yourself and stay true to your people who support you. So I think that's the, the key for us over the next five years is just we're happy with what we're doing and we're happy with who we are and we're happy with support we get. So, so much of it is just continuing doing that and coming up with creative ways to get, you know, West six liquid to people's lips. Well, so far you guys have done a great job, Brady. Hopefully I'll get to run into you this summer, maybe at the farm or the tap room. And I really appreciate you taking the time. Absolutely. I appreciate it. I appreciate you having me on and, and, um, you know, hope all goes well and, and uh, have a good rest of your summer. Thank you, Brady, for joining us. Remember you can find past episodes and future episodes of the hops and spirits podcast on Google, Apple, Spotify, and of course, gspodcast.com. And you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at JM green GS until next time. Cheers, everyone.